Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates, a podcast about dating, about relationships, about owning your life without being too cheesy. <laughs> Just kidding. What what is happening here? I, I feel like you this is your this is your like spiritual guru YouTube <laughs> channel. Um and I'm here. I'm going to hit subscribe. Uh, wow, wow. I feel like you shouldn't it might, you know, go off. It might, it might start talking about 5G or 5D or whatever the whatever the latest shamanism. Um we are so thrilled you're here we have an awesome um episode for you today we're gonna as we have been doing in the pandemic talk a little bit about our content we're consuming we have some little hot topics to discuss and then oh, we have an amazing are- interview <laughs> yes we were are so excited um for you all to hear the conversation we have with dr jolie hamilton she's an author she wrote a book called project relationship the entrepreneur's action plan for passionate sustainable love it is a great read um, for anyone, whether you're in a relationship or not. There's a lot of tangible advice and actionable steps. We love an actionable step. We talk about some of those topics, uh, but genuinely, really, something about the entrepreneurial approach, like the take charge of your dating life approach, obviously resonated with us. The ladies who tell you to go on dates all the time, even though you know, you know, other people out there have told you to go on dates. Somehow we thought this podcast was like sharing a new idea with the world because it was sharing a new idea for me. I wasn't going on dates, but I wanted a partner. Uh, Anyways, she's a speaker, a coach. She's TED Talks. She's obviously a doctor. She's a psychologist and very cool human. And we have a really great conversation all about, you know, being less helpless when it comes to dating and relationships. Uh, Dr. Jolie's relationship to relationships as always um and her career path and I just think I think it'll be really useful I hope it will be very useful and let us know what you think <laughs> um for sure <laughs> so that's coming at you in a little bit oh my god I hate myself no um, I'm just being such a like <laughs> disc jockey like not DJ I like, just I- said <laughs> that's coming at you in a little bit like there's no more fucking 19 no like 2002 disc jockey oh i'm so sorry guys um but yeah oh tiny bits of business first we'll do i'm gonna i'm trying to keep the business so concise Mm -hmm. please if you would rate subscribe review oh doing that first we usually do it last um it helps us a lot getting your um ratings and having people be able to look at us on the Apple podcast app and see that we have like a decent amount of listeners and some nice reviews really helps us get guests, um, including the one you're going to hear from today. So it's really helpful. Yes. It also helps us get <laughs> shout outs from what are my other fans. Sorry. Just had to shout, shout that out. <laughs> oh my God. Guys, if you don't follow us on social, which you should at five, one for States pod, um, it, we got like some sales request. We got reached out to by like a, representative from OnlyFans asking us to start an OnlyFans being like podcast creators are doing great on OnlyFans and I was just like I don't think anybody is asking for that 
I was so complimented. I was just like, "Mm -mm, yeah, yeah, I'm too timid. And no shade to OnlyFans. Just us being on OnlyFans (laughs) makes me laugh a lot. Yeah. No, OnlyFans is fucking cool as shit. And like, I think very um, helping a lot of people who work in like the adult industry to actually collect their own Mm -hmm. earnings instead of having it go to like these, you know, producers and production companies and blah, blah, blah distributors like it's a really cool platform it's just like nobody wants to see me naked maybe kimmy i mean definitely kimmy. oh kimmy's, come on no kimmy's, no. <laughs> kimmy's a babe they want liza i many people would probably like to see both of us naked but you know my my loving partner's first response was well let's make some money off of your feet or i'll put my feet up there and so maybe we'll just you know reverse feminism it and put on put on some some male feet pics? Do those go for a lot? Anyways, anyways. Sorry, it'll be I called only feet. Our site. No, no, only no. Feet. Um, but also you should um check out our Patreon if you're interested in our Bachelor recaps. It's been a controversial season, and we had a we we discussed all of the um tough stuff that's happening in Bachelor Nation right now and uh, owned up to some like I had to own up to some fuck ups I made too. Um, but overall, like, you know, I think we're discussing in very real time our own feelings about if we should even like this franchise anymore. And you can listen to those episodes for like as literally as little as a dollar a month. Every level of membership gets the, those bonus episodes. And subscribe to our Substack. Do you want to tell everyone about Substack? I'll tell you about so much business. I know we've got to we've got to figure out our channels of communication and like streamline them. But for now, we have a lot. Uh, Substack is fun. I've been getting into my feelings there about like my relationship to relationships. But our Substack is called Precious Gems, all about you, our fucking gems. We love you. I feel like it's if we're ever. I don't know, like a little too jokey on this pot. Well, no, we're not. We have lots of feelings. I feel like it's just a fun place to talk about some topics with, you know, a little more depth, but also rank and play fuck, Mary kill and all sorts of fun things. This week I did a fuck, Mary kill ghost of reality shows. Um, Liza, I know you will disagree with mine, but I, I would just, if you want to subscribe to that, it's one free email a week, so there's n- you can always delete it, and we'd appreciate it. <laughs> and tell your friends. Tell your friends about this podcast, too, because totally. it, it's – this times have changed. Everyone has a podcast <laughs> where we used to chart. We don't necessarily chart anymore, and if you tell a friend or like our Instagram posts or send – like, it just – it really helps us continue – you know, we, we're always going to be here for you, but, like, see why we continue to do this um, – and that was a lot of feelings, but nope, that's the business. I think you crushed it. Now we can talk about everything else, like our content consumption. Yes. Uh, all of my content consumption this week is like based off of recommendations from you. So you should go first. Oh, well, everyone's heard everything already. All right. I really, in case you're like, what is Kimmy on? I just really want to explain my weird mood. Let's first talk about what we are consuming in our bodies right now, Liza, on this Monday, President's Day, holiday, day after Valentine's Day. What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking. I had, had a very healthy dinner of three Tate's cookies and a kombucha. I love it. I love it. It's beauty. Balance. It's, harmony. This will, what you just said is why I'm so excited to recommend a podcast that I'm about to recommend to you. I am drinking a cloudy sake. So it looks like I'm drinking milk on FaceTime. Uh, I've had a day. It's my day off. 
the my my work is closed and I watched the entirety of Bling Empire in a day. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. It is. I have to cop to the fact that I haven't finished it yet. So I I have like two episodes left and I just haven't watched it yet, but I will and I'm excited too. Eliza, I am it is not what we would call wellness here in Los Angeles, but it felt like wellness to me because I just you know, lied in bed all day. Not all day. Yeah, kind of all day. Really being lazy. Um, And that was a choice, but I feel like I needed it. And it's a pandemic, so I'm not going to judge it. And I will say I am obsessed with the fact that these people are so rich. It's like real money. As a, yeah. you know, just saw the reunion of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which like honestly part one of three. I'm so excited for more, even though that the whole season wasn't was imperfect, I would say. Those women, the Salt Lake City women, aren't rich like private jets going to Paris rich. And I I was very into it. I like the gloss. I like that I can look at my phone for half the episode and I don't really care. And Yes. Yeah. It was it was also a like fun I time. genuinely think a couple of the characters are like really sweet and don't at me because I haven't seen the last couple episodes but like I think Kane is like a very sweet human who's really nice like it was nice to have a few care and the model guy oh my god what's his name Kevin Kevin like he's a little bit of a doofus but I I think that there are a few characters where I was like usually shows tv shows about filthy rich people like I end up just thinking everyone's a bad person and I actually think a few of them, mostly Kane, is like really sweet. I know Kane and Kevin as a duo, I would love to have on this podcast. Too big for us, probably. Oh my god! But I mean, you know, I will. So I will start, you know, stalking. Um, Eliza, no, I, I, so I had already seen the first episode, and I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I just was like not in that kind of mood that I was in today when I was like wellness Netflix, uh, and I think. I would say I think this season gets better as it goes because I see the relationships develop more. There's like a little bit of you, you. The most interesting part for me stops being actually all the money and the crazy amounts being spent, and more like these relationships, which is weird. It's it's not good. It's not bad. It's just fun to watch. That's what I will say. And fully. So I think it's a recommendation, but you might not like it. But I liked it today. On that's how I feel. It's like fun mindlessness and. It's they're rich, and I I just do enjoy that Netflix is spending so much money. Like they just they make their reality shows so glossy, like Selling Sunset, or like all the shots yeah. look really beautiful. There's something really pleasing about watching them, where I'm just like, oh, this really rich house is also shot like it's like in a beautiful like high budget movie. Like it's I don't know yeah. what it is. I really really am loving it. I I wonder if it's the same creator of The Hills and Laguna Beach. And selling sunset I feel like it's almost mm. not because I missed some of the power like we got the rights to this song and it's crushing the episode like you know how like selling sunset and the hills on the good beach always ended with one like banger of a song and you were like oh my god totally the drama but that that's yeah. all that's my only complaint I love also seeing places that I have not for the most part but once in a while ha- have been like Formosa they go to this bar that's really close to Nick apartment Liza um yes I was like oh my god I know this place I haven't been in there but I was like ah yeah it's it it was that was fun okay and now for a recommendation it's very new to me I'm already obsessed my dear friend Caroline recommended this to me literally this weekend and I'm already like I'm obsessed I'm recommending it a podcast called Poog P-O-O-G have you heard of this Liza 
No. Okay. It's by well, Kate. Well, I've heard of it from our sub stack, but that's. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I, oh, I know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. It's by. I probably shouldn't have said that. No, no, I no. I should. Okay. Because I don't know anything about it. We're going to. No, but you're right. You you subscribed. So, <laughs> correct. It's by two co- comedians, comics, Kate Berlant and Jacqueline Novak. And it is goop spelled backwards. So that just gives you a sense. But it's not like an anti-wellness or like parody of wellness podcast. It's about. Two ladies, much like ourselves, I feel, um, not to like overflatter our, ourselves because they're very funny and amazing, kind of just like on this journey with things like kombucha, Liza, as you were just discussing, you know, but also not not too much wellness. Like it's it's a it's a podcast that, you know, self-professed, they they want the free merch and they're going to explore all the things and they talk about, you know, all different wellness tropes and experiments one could do to various degrees of success so like they're like oh no Mm. you know I and I'm 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 new I'm two episodes in but I already I just love the vibe I can't think of a perfect example but just like talking about yoga and why you're anti or pro yoga and then talking about things like gua sha and all the you know all the all the things that all the influencers tell you to do and you know, genuinely always being on that quest to to find wellness, but also never wanting to find it because then you can't continue to be on the quest. And I would just, I would check it out. It's, it's. I love scary. that. Also, those two women are so, so fucking funny. funny. Like, Jacqueline Novak did this sh- one woman show in New York. God, I wish I could remember what it's called. I'm going to Google it because I don't want to like fuck it up. But it was a one woman show about like her relationship to blowjobs. Like almost like a, similar to Mike Birbiglia. In fact, he may have actually produced it Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's like stand-up comedy, but it's her telling a long extended story. And um, I think it's called like On Your Knees or something. I'm, I. Did you see it, Liza? I didn't see it, but I always wanted to. Oh God, I always wanted to. I feel like so many celebrities posted about it and things and oh God. It was called Get On Your Knees. Um. And my one of my really smart comedy friends was like heard about it really early and and was like we have to go see this and I, it was so so funny and she is so smart and so talented and so cool and um, I like am very much into her so I'm excited to listen yeah very relatable women very funny but like again it's not it's not just that it's like goop backwards and it's not shitting on wellness which is something I like to do it's just like no but I like that ten dollar juice and again I'm not doing it justice just go check it out you'll enjoy it anyone listening to this podcast I think who enjoys women just talking to each other (laughs) will enjoy it um totally also I love the vibe they're both like self-deprecating I like the vibe of like self-deprecating comedians talking about wellness that makes me very excited yeah I, it's, I really don't like wellness stuff when people take it too seriously but I am interested and I needed a kombucha today because my tummy was weird like I yes yeah, I like the vibe. Liza I just I just thought of you immediately I was like once I listened to it flattered that my friend thought of me like oh Kimmy will like this she said like in front of other people I was, oh oh yes yes I feel very flattered like this is a good brand to be anyway I'm obsessed. excited <laughs> um, okay I'll I'll zoom through the rest of these because this is getting way too long and there aren't actually the rest of these one quick note, and I'll put a pin in this Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar I'm not recommending it because it's 1999 and I don't really know what I watched. But I feel like I didn't have as good of a time as everyone else. So maybe I just needed to be mm. high for it. I don't know, Liza. Have you seen this movie? It just came out. No. Okay. I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't 
the trailer made me feel like it was going to be one of those movies where every funny thing that happened was in the trailer and it wasn't even that funny. Like, I thought it was actively horrible, like, but it could become a cult stoner movie. But then it still, mm. like, I was like, is this like when you first see, this is not necessarily a stoner movie, but like Zoolander, I don't think was received well, but then became so funny. But I don't, I don't know. But then everyone, like, on the internet, it seemed seemed to have a better time with this movie than me so just at me maybe I missed it I would not recommend you spend your $19.99 on it but if you have a group <laughs> of friends together maybe watch it get a little high and tell me or when I, it I or know. when the price goes down it will yeah, eventually yeah. yeah I just I was uh, it, uh. and then this is the final one it relates a little bit to the podcast I recommended last week the Jessie Ware Table Manners podcast where she talks about food with celebrities and her mother Lenny who is fucking fabulous this um, Chef's Table episode, I don't watch Chef's Table really, but I watched this episode from season six, episode three. It's Asma Khan who opened a restaurant in London called Darjeeling Express. She's originally from India and her story was just so incredible. And I just, I maybe I just don't watch Chef's Table anymore. So I forgot how beautiful those episodes can be. I would just recommend that episode. I had heard mm. of that restaurant from the food podcast that's the end Ooh, i'll write them I'm, all in the thing okay incredible <laughs> i'm gonna watch that tonight i need like some beautiful food to look at yeah um all female so, kitchen sorry i'm just gonna add that all female oh, fun yeah she's incredible cool. so i'm minor brief because we've talked about them before sorry. but they both came from you no 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 no, no. not because of that because they, they both came from you so like whatever but i need to give you credit where credit is due <gasps> so i was with my brothers family including my 16 year old niece my 14 year old nephew this weekend all covid tested all extremely safe um and we had a really nice weekend together and i got to finally spend some time with my niece and nephew which was like so nice but we were thinking we were looking for something to like all watch together and we watched almost the entire season of ted lasso oh my yes uh, (laughs) it was so good it was such a good watch for like that specific group of people like, like adult please like it's not for little kids there's a lot of swears and some references to sex but teenagers it's fine it's not like mm-hmm. and it's not it would not be something embarrassing to watch with your parents it's mostly just like they're in England and they swear a lot um, it's wholesome it's very wholesome, wholesome and heart so heartfelt mm. and like I just was I haven't seen a character uh, a comedy like that in such a long time where I was like this is so goofy and also I care so much about all of these characters I love all of them and I want the best for all of them and there are like no bad guys in this weird way and like it's just really like incredibly sweet and good and also funny and like goofy and like sometimes even like stupid humor not in the way where like it's dumb or lowbrow in the way where like it's just like so goofy, and yep. that's that was so joyful, and it was like such a blast. Um, so I watched all of that. Finally, it had been in the back of my mind, and we I like don't have Apple TV Plus, so I hadn't watched it. So, but like my brother was like, "Oh, we have that." So also, like, can I just chime in? It's I'm being really annoying, but if you don't think you have Apple TV, but you purchased an Apple device like within the past year, a lot you may have access to Apple TV and not really know. Okay, I'm so sorry, literally- Apple TV Plus. <laughs> On the car at home, I was like, we have two episodes left. Or like, no, I I fell asleep for the last one. But I, so Jeff has one episode. I have two episodes left. I'm like, what are we going to do? And Jeff was like, oh, we can get access to that, like, because of all of these things. And I was like, God dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it's confusing. So I would just say, and because, especially if you have an Apple TV regular, like, it's also confusing. But 
or an iPhone. Like you just check. It, they make it really easy for you to be like, oh, all of a sudden I'm logged in. What am I doing watching this show? I don't pay for Apple TV Plus. So yes, Liza. Yes. Sorry. Yes. The other one is that I was I've been listening to Table Manners and it's so good. Liza. It's so sweet. I love Jesse's mom. Oh, right. OK. Oh, I should have not blown my load. Then. No, not at all. <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Like it deserves all of the extra hype. And she has a ton of episodes like I was just scrolling yeah. casually because I, I was listening to it on a walk or something and I was just scrolling through something and I just was like, oh, like dolly parton like she's a huge guest like i haven't even listened to any of the ones that were in person yet because i've just been going from like the most recent and there were so many celebrities there were so many people i wanted to listen to in her like just recent interviewees that interviews that have been all over zoom because of the pandemic um but just like incredible so good so sweet yeah and there are a lot and go the ones in person i honestly think are better um and i didn't maybe i did i don't remember dolly have you listened to it yet liza yeah. Yeah. I did. I wasn't like that. Usually I'd be like, Liza, Dolly, you must start there. I just feel like Dolly was like, what's going on a little bit? It's sweet, but it's not yes. like the perfect example. It was not example. the best episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but th- there were some really cute things like that, like Jesse's mom asked. Like I just remember being like, you know, she was like, oh, you had a lot of kids in your family. Did you have a big table? And like just some <laughs> of the questions where I was like, that's so fucking cute. Like nobody asked her things like this. It wasn't like the best episode, but like I, it was just like, their approach to interviewing Dolly Parton was so adorable that I was like, this is really, really, it's just really good and really endearing. Did you listen to the Elizabeth Olsen one? No, I have not okay. yet. That is during the pandemic, but in person because she was shooting for Marvel in London and like really wanted to be on and got Disney's sign up. Like it was, wow, I, like, that's it's, really cool. It's cool that people like want to be on now. I, I yeah, feel like Dolly totally. was like, Netflix told me to do this. <laughs> yeah, like, Dolly fully signed on, had no idea who they were. Like she was doing like a press junket day from home and just was like banging through these. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. but, um, it was it was very. Yeah, it's all so cute. I'm but so yeah, glad. I've been inspired. I've been consuming wholesome content inspired by you. Oh, and then I have one more since everyone knows I've been watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Um. I am also listening to his audiobook, No Reservations, which I ha- – have I talked about this already? You may have mentioned it, but you should so. talk about Maybe. it because – I think you should talk about it because it's such a good book and I haven't listened to it. I imagine it's so much better. It's so, so good. Like I had never even thought about reading it even though I love his shows. I'm not sure why. And we were just scrolling Audible looking for something to listen to on a long drive and – um, it's, he's just such an incredible writer. Like I completely understand now why someone read this book and was like, this man needs to have a TV show. And like, he's, he was such a good writer. It was so, um, so funny, so interesting stuff. I never thought about, never would have known hilarious anecdotes like this, so much good insight, like into the restaurant world, which is, which is genuinely even though I like watch Top Chef and love to eat out and all of this stuff I don't have any idea how the restaurant works. I used yeah. to work in a restaurant in New York I mean for like four months but it is really 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 great and the audiobook is so good and like it all makes me a little sad because I love him so much and I'm very sad that he is no longer with us but the book is just so fucking good and like it's such a good audiobook if you're if you're looking for something for your walks or your drives like strong recommend I might get into that for like walking, you know, I, before Table yes. Manners and now Poog, I haven't, before these last two recommendations, I just haven't found podcasts that were like truly engaging me 
unless I already, you know, listened to them um, and liked mm-hmm. the care. Because I think I'm I'm a listener of like conversational podcasts where I feel like I'm I'm friends with the hosts. But that book, I imagine, even though I've read it, like having him say it to me would be very like kind of the podcast adjacent not like with a different level of quality maybe but I don't know I could I want to do that yes I want to do my walks to that yeah because his totally his whole vibe his speaking voice his like he's so it, it sounds just like the narration to his um show like it's so laced with like disdain and humor and irony like he's just he's got he's a really dynamic writer and performer and um it's just been incredible. It, it was, was uh, I think there's like, we have like one chapter left and I may just be like, do you want to listen to this before bed? Like instead of watching TV, because it's so good. Um, So that was my other, my other strong wreck for the week. I love it, Liza. Oh, we did it. We fucking did it. We, you, you're deep into this podcast. And if you're new here, we don't only talk about TV. It's just a pandemic thing. JK will always do this. But you know, real, real quick, Liza. We'll do this real quick style. Before we get into our interview with Dr. Julie Hamilton, who again has just some like excellent, tangible, actionable, entrepreneurial, just like take control of your relationship or your dating life or or your single life. Just great advice that could come only from um, a doctor and someone who's really, you know, studied the psychology of how we interact in relationships. Liza, do you have anything that you would say like is a piece of advice or something that you've learned in your years that I, I want to get this right because you actually framed this up better earlier that um, has kept you from feeling helpless in dating or relationships? Is that the way you want to ask it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, so here's my piece. And I don't know that it's the most tangible, but I think you can make it tangible if you try. Mm-hmm. And it is like – practice telling the truth more often than you than feels comfortable like I think the 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 biggest thing that I learned and unfortunately like I had to learn it from Jeff in a relationship which wasn't the smoothest was just like being honest about your feelings is the most powerful thing you can do but it's for a lot of people myself included the hardest fucking thing for some reason so I feel like just starting like today now like as many whenever possible just try to be honest and like I, I try to do this by as much as I don't want to be a bummer all the time. Like, I think everyone, it's such a knee-jerk reaction. Like, we all get asked how we're doing all the time, like at the beginning of phone calls or meetings or whatever. Obviously, it's not like you can do this at work all the time. But I've just been trying to answer the question, how are you doing, honestly, um, instead of being like, I'm great. How are you? I've been like, I'm OK. Or like, I'm having a hard day. Like, or like, I feel really like weird and out of it and sad today. Um. And obviously, there's like a right and wrong audience for that. But to the people you feel safe with, your friends, your family, your roommates, like whoever those people's are, people are, um, I think it's a really small thing, but it can just be really powerful to be like, oh, like instead of responding in a way that's like about how the other person feels, instead of trying to like placate them or make them yeah. comfortable or like do give them what they they really want from me, like I can take a minute and like tell the truth. I think it's just a really powerful thing to do as much as you can. Um, and you can you can just try to start practicing it in little ways. Or even if you find like, oh, I responded to that untruthfully. Like even just like doing retro 
kind of retrospectively thinking about your day and being mm-hmm. like, was I honest about my feelings today mm-hmm. um, can just be really, really powerful. Like, I think it's a really strong muscle to bulk up. God, Liza, that's so good. I feel like. And Is it? It's not like we haven't discussed that, but you just articulated it so well. I'm going to I'm going to go back and rewind this episode when it's out and I'm going to make it an Instagram quote like those wellness oh people do, God. but a fun one. No, I'm going to make it a Canva. No. I just and it's just it's like sometimes it's the simplest shit too and I think I don't have anything super articulate obviously we're not the most you know produced planned etc etc but it kind of ties into what you just said about being it's like being honest with yourself I think like if I look back and I think about how helpless I felt and I talk about this in the newsletters and I've been talking about this around Valentine's Day just because so much of getting older for me has been like, oh, I was so obsessed with having not been in a relationship that I never actually thought about what kind of life or relationship or not relationship I wanted to have. Um, if I was being truthful with myself, though, I think even in my darkest, darkest days, I had enough like faith in myself to not get so involved in certain situations that I did or not or maybe not be like stay tied up dating people for as long as I did who weren't treating me well who weren't who you know I weren't texting me on Valentine's Day but I was like well 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 but 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 uh and I think for me similar you articulated it better but it's kind of like a really simple question I wish I asked myself more times than I did like does this person make you feel more anxious or less anxious like most of the time? Does this p- person make you feel more insecure or more secure um, most of the time? Not that it's anyone's job to fix my anxiety, but I was in, I was like, so if there was just like a, a spectrum or a, a teeter-totter, <laughs> I was always leaning towards things that were so heavily weighted towards giving me more anxiety and the chase and the challenge. And if I had just like cut those things off in a mature, non-dramatic way, I would have saved myself a lot of time. And it sounds so simple. And when you're in it, you can't do it. But like I look back and I'm like, I learned that lesson more than once, right? And I'm sure I personally, based on whatever factors, needed to learn it that many times. But maybe like if I was more aware of this question I asked myself like in every relationship or date even a first date someone can make you feel fucking insecure and like I don't think that's the person you should be with they're not a bad person but like is this person not me myself making me you know feel more anxious or insecure or less anxious or insecure and if I could have just written people off sooner that sounds awful or cut people out sooner I think I would have been I would have um agonized for many fewer years totally yeah yeah that's so wise and I feel like a good a good way to like another good way to gauge that is like if you find yourself like justifying anything about them to your friends Mm. or your family (laughs) be like oh well he doesn't like to come to this but like it's because of like xyz it's like like, if you find yourself me. making excuses for them, even to yourself, but me too. Yeah. Who hasn't done this for some fucking schlub they've dated? I mean, you know. Yeah, it, no, that's such a good test. Yep. It's not even like to cast. I'm not even trying to cast this person's on this. They're just not the right people for you. Right. But like, like, we've all heard our friends do that to us about people we know they shouldn't be with. So like, watch out for that in yourself too. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. Because you know when you're doing it. You fucking know when you're doing it. You can test yourself on that so quickly. Totally. And, and also, you don't have you know. to. 
You don't. Like, and, yeah. Like, this is, I guess this is, I'm cheating. But then, then, and the way to cut that off is just like, just like barely respond to a text or don't respond to a text or like truly if it's at a point where it's long gone, but you're the one reaching out, unfollow them on social media. Like it's not so petty that it's like if it's if you're taking care of your well-being, it's not petty anymore. It's like you needed to do that. Like totally. that has saved me. Oh, yeah. Many a time. Um, yeah. Well, good one. Now we have an actual doctor <laughs> coming in with much Let's better. see if hers are better or worse. They're going to be better. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> we are so excited for you to hear our conversation with Dr. Jolie Hamilton. We are really into her vibe and advice, and we love you all very much. Great. We are so excited to be joined by Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you both. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, so thrilled. I mean, you do a million things. Like, <laughs> it's it's very, very impressive. But, I mean, we, are, we already gave you a full intro. But just briefly, Dr. Jolie Hamilton, you are an author, speaker, coach, professor. You're an expert in human sexuality. You do it all. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about... Um, a million and one things. But first, as always, we love to ask guests, do you have a worst first date story? Oh, you know, I mean, yeah, of course, because how could you not? Right. <laughs> OK, so the first time <laughs> I have a terrible first date story because it keeps happening. It's it's like one of those dates on repeat. So I got married the first time very young. I like very, very young. I was 20 when I got married. I was 17 when I got engaged. Wow. So I didn't really do any like real dating then. But then I got divorced and there was some dating. And I swear I had been on the same bad first date over and over. And it's always because apparently I do not present my orientation as clearly as I want to. So I keep going on dates with women who I'm like, we're on a date. And then I get 15 minutes into the date and find out she doesn't think we're on a date. And I'm like, oh, no. So I could tell you a very specific one. But honestly, it's always the same thing because now I'm trying to like reel it back in and figure out what kind of outing this is. And then there's these awkward moments and the awkward moments. I'm good with awkward moments, but that like that is peak awkward for me. <laughs> I feel like it's the quintessential you know, not knowing if it's a date or not, or one person thinking it isn't one person is, does not. It's so tough. Uh -huh. It's just, I feel. Yeah, like. yeah. And I feel like when I'm dating guys, I, I don't lack that clarity. Like for some reason, that's very straightforward. And um, and when I'm, when I'm out with somebody who's non-binary, usually I've met them on a dating site. So there's a clarity there, but I don't have that clarity all the time. And then there's just the confusion where I'm trying to cover myself. Do you all have that? Like you're trying to like figure out what's the story I go with now to not feel like a total idiot. It's a little much. Yes. I feel like in the depths of some experiences I've had in my life, like I'm feeling it inside my body right now because yes, the like cringe and the like panic, maybe panic yeah. is, is really it. Um, yeah. And you know, for our second ultimate cheesy question that I think will flow right will flow right into really nicely to what you were just speaking of. What's your relationship to relationships? Obviously, relationships are a part of your career, but we love to just know, you know, whatever this means to you, you know, what did you first think of relationships? You were married at a young age. Um, and how has your relationship to relationships evolved? 
Yeah. Relationships are actually my whole life now. Now, and I think in some ways, super, super cheesy relationships are everyone's life. Mm -hmm. Even the most introverted and, and like craving isolated person, there is still the relationship with yourself. So for me, relationships are how I understand and make sense of the universe. So they are literally everything. Um, but specifically, I've come to find that relationship is the best way for me to get to know about any topic. So I learn about relationships by studying them, by studying other people's, but I also learn about every topic that I want to take on. I, you know, I start a new friendship or I start a new, um, you know, collaboration or whatever, and I'm always in relationship. So I feel like relationships are this meta piece of my life. Plus I have a lot of kids. So I have a lot of relationships in my house. Like even in COVID, I'm never lonely. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> yeah. A lot of dynamics to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just because I think we may have spoken about this right prior to recording, but you have seven children. Is that right? I do. Yeah. Seven kids. They're ages 13 to 21. So they're, you know, all in that teen to college phase. And so, yeah. So right now I'm at in that weird spot where I'm also watching my children move into the dating realm and the having relationships realm, um, which is actually why one of the biggest reasons why I wrote the book that I wrote. I had one of those moments. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought like, oh my gosh, I haven't actually told them everything. What if something happened to me? And, and I weren't there to impart my wisdom. Now they probably will not want my wisdom, you know, to be real. <laughs> I mean, who wants their mom's wisdom on everything? But, um, that was one of the big inspirations for like writing a book about relationships was, Hey, capture this stuff so that your children can learn from your terrible, ridiculous mistakes and <laughs> at least make their own unique mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> fully and they can read it so you don't have to you know you don't have to sit them down and try to exactly and I don't have heads. to yeah exactly because I, I mean I homeschooled my kids before it was cool so <laughs> you know I think by the time they're in their teens they're pretty much like done and and ready to listen to somebody else but this way it's written down so if they have a question I can be like you know what just read chapter eight just, just read chapter eight. Fine. That, that'll be my opinion. And you can just count that and you can say that I weighed in and, you know, whatever. You don't have to ask my opinion about it. <laughs> totally. Save you a little bit of time, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them, so it could be a lot of conversations. <laughs> totally. Your book, uh, if, if my parent, one of my parents wrote a book on relationships, your book is really great because you can turn to the chapter that you'd like to learn more about without necessarily diving all the way in if you're not ready to dive all the way in. Like, I'm just thinking, I don't feel like I love my parents dearly and I've gotten great advice from them over the years, but I didn't, I wasn't able to be like, I want this chapter and this chapter only. So I'll just <laughs> shout that out. I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I didn't know that when I was first setting out to write it, I, but I, but it came, became clear that, you know, we're all at a different spot with relationships and no matter where you are, like I've had a lot of people talk to me about this book because I wrote it for people who are like bored with their relationships and want to reignite and take control over like doing the work to make a juicy, yummy relationship. But um, the very first review I got was from somebody who's single right now, intentionally. She was taking a year off from dating to like give herself a break. And she's like, this is perfect because I'm turning to those sections that I know I have trouble with, that I know I struggle with, and I'm going to work through this 
on my own, while I'm not trying to like put it into action with somebody else's neuroses, somebody else's stuff all over it. And just think about how this has shown up over and over again in my life. So say boundaries or, you know, getting to know a person, think about that because those patterns, we play them out over and over and over again, pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just how humans work. It's so interesting. It's, it's something we talk about over and over again on this podcast, but it never see it never like gets we never get all the way through that topic of like how can you rethink and unlearn and like try to reorder the uh like the way you've just ingested yeah. the your own knowledge or expectations about relationships. Um it's it's super super interesting. Obviously like we're going to get very much more deeply into that, but first, we tell us just a little bit about how you um, got into this career, what your kind of process was in finding this uh, this purpose and focus in your um, in your education career? Yeah, so I have a bunch of different degrees, but I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So I started my first businesses in high school, and um, then I went to school for fashion design, and I double majored in business. Business and then I, um, oh gosh, I, you know, I've just done a zillion things. I was a doula and I was, um, I ran, I owned and ran a CrossFit gym. I've just, I was always trying something new. And then I really got into it because I just screwed up every single thing in my relationship. I like, I made, I, the metaphor I have is that I picked up my whole life and I threw it into a wood chipper and obviously heart a lot of people doing that, including myself. And the only upside to all of that is that on <laughs> that I wound up deciding to like study my way out of the mess. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school. I got a bachelor's in psychology. Then I got a master's in depth psychology. Then I got a doctorate in depth psychology. Along the way, I decided to become a, an ASEC certified sexuality educator. Um, and now I, I help other sex educators like figure out what their niche and their specialty is. So it was for me, it was actually making the mistakes. And, and I say mistakes, they were mistakes. You know, there are, there are lots of ways to do relationship, but I actually made some active, like harmful to myself, harmful to other people, mistakes. And it never occurred to me that there was no way around that. So my path to this career was, you know what, I'm just going to go read. I'm going to read every book I can think of. It's the same way I decided to become a parent. I, I didn't, My parents really tried, but they screwed up a lot of stuff. So when I became a parent at 23 years old, I read every book I could get my hands on because I was desperate to to find a different path. And over the course of, you know, 10 years, (laughs) you really, it's not just that I took in a lot of educational material, but I kept working with that material. Like I, I saw every relationship I was starting and every problem that was coming up in my big relationships as an opportunity to try something different to try a new approach or to apply what I'd seen, you know, so I'd I'd learn a new concept and say, okay, I'm going to put this to work and just dive in and be vulnerable and try something else. And it's meant sort of remaking. And you, you said how to unlearn. Yeah. I had to relearn how to do love because I didn't have great patterns. It's so it was not a short journey. (laughs) Yeah, no. But it's so interesting, even just, you know, the structure of and positioning of your book as like an entrepreneur's action plan just makes so much sense with your story and is actually maybe what really appeals to Liza and I, who have both I wouldn't say we're entrepreneurs all the way through and through, but you are. We've we've started you started a company together at one point. You know, we started a podcast. But I think what was so appealing to me about different parts of your book were just, you know, 
the actionability is that the word just that you could yeah act on things as the same way you know way way back in the day this is not entrepreneurial but Liza and I met in an acting class and our acting teacher would say when we that was our path you know you know for ballet they do plies you know for acting there aren't reps in the same way we want to make this class that like for relationships I feel like some just having exercises you can do is just really appealing um yeah I mean I was the girl who like, you know, got every syllabus and like highlighted and figured out what the actual things I needed to do were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, other people are pouring over the book or just hoping that they'll pick it up from the lectures. I'm like, no, 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 I want the steps. So I wanted it to be actionable. And I also didn't want you to have like every chapter is short because we're busy. So I focused on entrepreneurial because I thought busy. And I think that, so I'm older than y'all. I'm 44. But <laughs> I, I feel very connected to, to the millennial generation. And I feel like there's not a single millennial person I have ever met who doesn't have an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. Whether you're working for yourself or not, you have this sense of like of making your life your own. You have to create the life you want, whether you piece it together out of, out of jobs or out of a bunch of relationships and jobs and friends and all of that that's the spirit that I was going for. Like you're going to make the life and you're going to do it through actions, not through waiting for somebody to deliver like a prepackaged thing that'll just work. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, even like, again, as you mentioned, your book is geared towards thinking about relationships, but even when you're just dating or single, you know, this podcast started as an action for me to challenge myself to go on more dates and like reflect on it with the loving support (laughs) of Liza, a friend. Um, And, you know, I think as we think about our audience who some are in relationships, but a lot of people who are dating and who are single and who, you know, sometimes if they're anything like me, relationships can feel like something that will never happen. Um, what was really I, a, a part of your book I really want to highlight to them is uh, the second chapter of your book. I actually, I have a little passage here um, mm. that, you know, I I don't need to necessarily read, but about being your – that. I actually will read it if that's okay with you. Yeah, do it. <laughs> You're not helpless in your relationship, but you might be living as if you are helpless and that causes trouble. I have good news for you. Relationships are systems. Systems respond to change, especially change from within. And this is something that I feel like just really resonated with me even thinking back to when I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't think about relationships as systems. I felt helpless all of the time. Um, just curious how you think, you know, people who are – dating or even taking a break from dating, but just feeling kind of disenchanted by relationships can think about that and feel more empowered. Yeah. So I titled chapter two, Empowered Relating. And I know the word empowered is so overused to the point that it can start to lose meaning. But what I meant is that literally you can start with one action today and any action you take in your relationship or in your life as you are creating the you who you want to be in a relationship in the future, any action you take just naturally impacts the system. And that is just, that is just how the universe works. So I, I, I happen to be married to somebody who is, um, who has their master's in physics, right? Mm. So we come to a meeting point when we agree on this exact thing, whatever change either of us makes will interact with the overall system. And so I found myself utterly feeling not just helpless, but hopeless. 
Um, I, I split up from my, my first husband. Um, I was in a very complicated mess because I was in love with somebody who was married and it was just so messy. And in that time of hopelessness and then trying to date and figure out what this meant, I, I kept losing myself, losing track of what my options were. And I would dig myself the same hole over and over again. In fact, that's when I went on so many of those bad first dates. I couldn't seem to figure out that I was in the driver's seat because it was my life. I kept thinking about relationships as something that happened to me or something that would happen to me. And the day that I decided to change that was actually the, my mother passed away a few years into this and um, we were having her burial. And that day, I don't know, I hugged someone and I, I heard, it was like I heard glass shattering and I realized that this was it. This was the actual life I was living and I was going to have to take some scary to me actions. In fact, I'm not even sure they were that scary. I was going to have to say, I'm in love. This is my life. Here's where I'm going. I was going to have to take the risks of like exposing myself and really being vulnerable. And worst of all, I was going to have to stop being codependent and decide that it was up to me to be the person I wanted to be in relationship. And if the person I wanted, I was in love with, wasn't going to do that, that was going to have to be okay too. So it, that's the day where everything for me shifted and I could from there really truly be empowered to be in my relationships. And nothing since has ever been the same. I, if it weren't for the fact that there was something so important happening that day, it might've been that I couldn't look back and pinpoint it. I could just feel that like it got better over time, but I actually think it's a decision. You have to decide that it's your life. And that day when you do, you can start making the changes right then. Just that straightforwardly. Yeah, it's very powerful. I mean, it's funny because um, it's a funny parallel because uh, uh, not to speak for you, Kimmy, but a big impetus in Kimmy starting to really take hold of her dating life when we started this podcast was was her mother passing away. And it is I mean, it's it's horrible. It's it's really, really, um, you know, unfair and hard that that this like what potentially the most difficult thing you go through in life is an agent of change. But do you do you feel like there it takes these watershed moments? I, I, I'm asking because I feel like we have a lot of listeners who feel stuck. And I'm wondering, like, if there's a way to make that decision and hold yourself to it, especially in such a difficult a time that's so difficult to date during. Yes. Yeah, this is this is a huge challenge. Um, I, when I'm coaching people who are dating right now or I'm working with people, I'm like this. OK, this is hard. So give yourself the grace of this is not your everyday. On the other hand, yeah, I really do believe that you can. It does take a catalyst moment. There's going to be an, a you who was convinced that life was happening to you and a you who knows that that's not true and that you are in the driver's seat. But that moment doesn't have to wait for something. It is going to have to be felt in your body. Like it's not going to be enough for you to just think it. You're going to have to actually embody it. So what I think is you can take something like 
a death, a loss, a change of job, a, um, a relationship breakup, the birth of a child, any, anything, um, going back to school, anything could be that line in the sand, but so could making the decision to, um, start a new career, which could simply begin with enrolling a new class in a new class or picking up a new book, right? You, you could start by just deciding I'm going to start dating again. It sounds like Kimmy, you, you made a decision. And from that moment forward, because you, you did something really important, you held yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. You started a podcast and now what are you going to do? Not do it. That's the key. Like give yourself some kind of accountability. I don't, I don't know what I would do without external accountability. I, you said I do 101 things. I do. People ask me all the time if I have more hours in the day. And I believe I do because I don't waste as much time. I have actually more hours in the day because I get up every day. I make breakfast and I do what I set out to do. So yeah, not if you're feeling stuck, find somebody who you can count on to just hold you to the, to the promise you wanted to make your, to yourself. Yeah. And that can be the watershed moment. Yeah. And then it's all right. You're even in just finding that person to hold you accountable. You're already taking a step. You're already taking control, right. which is really appealing to me. And yeah, I, I, you don't have to start a podcast. It's pretty extreme what we did here, but <laughs> you could. And, or just have, you know, we've had some listeners create little like check-in groups amongst each other if they're a bunch of them dating, um, which I also, you know, I find adorable and great, but also think could be a really, you know, useful way to hold yourself accountable. Um, My best friend just started, she wanted to turn over a new leaf. So she sent me a text that said, will you hold me accountable to my workouts and my therapy homework? And if, and every day I don't do it, I'm going to Venmo you 20 bucks. Oh, I have not gotten anything but check marks. <laughs> She's been doing the work and it was just that simple. She just told me that she would do it and there. And because she'd given herself like an action step, she was going to have to do one or the other, either tell me she'd done the thing or Venmo me the money. Yeah. Which, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, it's just so real. She made it palpable. Anything we can make real, you know, we live in our heads so much and nothing's real in there. It's just all chatter, chatter, yammer, yammer, like, like a bad roommate living in our head, you know, <laughs> like we, if we can get out of that and externalize a little bit of this and, and realize that we're actually alive. And this is a limited time edition. So let's like do it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Financial accountability is great. I, I had a right. I was in a writing group where we all sent each other checks for like whatever was just more than we could afford to a political <laughs> candidate we hated. And uh, if we didn't That's get effective. our assignments in, like if we didn't like meet the deadlines we set for ourselves, they got. So I don't think any of them got cash. It's I would highly recommend putting a check in a mail to a friend and be like, I can't afford this, so I have to do this. <laughs> and the political person you hate, oh, yeah. it's easy to do. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's Whoa. so... It was that fiery. Is, that is a driver. Yeah, <laughs> fully. Um, so just to, wanted to dip in briefly to another thing you mentioned in your book, which is somatic awareness. It's a really, really great tool that you offer. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about, about what that is and, and how you can practice yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, I came to the idea of somatic awareness kind of late in life. I am like, if you were to take an, M, uh, like a Myers-Briggs, like an MBTI test, I'm an ENTJ. So I am, I am all about the head. I am all about like thinking my way through problems and analyzing everything, but the body has such clear signals for us. So a somatic awareness is just a fancy way of saying, hold on to your brain for one second and allow your body to catch up with you and deliver what it already knows. Your body has so much wisdom. And I could point to a hundred amazing authors and scientists who can demonstrate that, but we can put it into action so simply. It can start with just drawing your awareness away from your thoughts and back into your body, doing a body scan, giving yourself the time to check in, like, where am I having sensation, not a feeling. If I use the word feeling, I fall into the trap of talking about emotions. And for just this time, we want to, we want to stay with sensation. So there are so many words we can use to describe a sensation. We could describe a sensation with weight or texture or like temperature. We could say, oh, it feels like heavy on my shoulders right now, or I feel thickness through my chest or my throat feels all fuzzy and vibrating or I, my ears are hot, right? I could notice those sensations and that, that tool just becoming aware of what the soma is just the lived experience of having a body, right? Soma is Greek for for body, but not just body like a corpse, body like you're alive in this body. If I bring myself back to the body, I have access to, it's like having another whole brain, right? Like I have another whole brain available to me. So if we're struggling with making bad decisions over and over and over again, continually repeating the same old patterns, Maybe we need to use another way of checking in. And often that's the body. Um, you know, I have met people who are great at sensation. They do check in with their body, but they forget to think it through. But that's like one in a hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us Americans are like caught in our thinking brain. So I tell people to use somatic awareness anytime you're feeling stuck with a decision or anytime you're, you're feeling that jumble of emotions that makes you feel like there's no way to sort this problem out. You're stuck in the intractableness. You know, I, I studied jealousy professionally. That's my doctorate's um, largely about jealousy. Mm -hmm. And jealousy is a complicated emotion, right? It's made up of lots of, of emotions. So in order to get to it, we have to go to the body first. Like I'm feeling jealous. What am I feeling? I'm feeling heat, I'm feeling weight, I'm feeling oh, actually, oh, I feel all tingles down my spine. Oh, wait, tingles down my spine kind of feel good. What the heck does that mean about what I'm feeling right now, right? So all of a sudden, something as complicated as jealousy can start to be, well, actually, maybe I, do I like some part of that? Like, and you can have a real breakthrough in, in an emotion that feels like you, you couldn't break it apart with a sledgehammer. So that's where I start with somatic awareness. And I apply it to everything. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's checking in with your body. I I am also an ENTJ, I think, but I also might be an ENTP now that I'm. It's been a minute, but I know I'm one or the other. I think J, but uh, I I don't know. Just I personally, I and Liza can attest to this, and even people who listen to this podcast. I don't know. I, I can run away with feelings. I can be reactive. I I forget to check in with my body. And another thing you talk about in your book is kind of 
boundaries and setting boundaries in relationships and and beyond just consent though that's very important like in intimacy and intimate moments setting you know boundaries is important but I'm thinking about boundaries in you know maybe not even real relationships yet I think back to my experiences dating and being in what we call situationships or these in-between <laughs> boundaryless, you know things that actually when I look back if I was checking in with my body usually made me feel jealous or anxiety anxious or Again, many feelings, but they they didn't make me feel good a lot of the time. And I'm just like, how couldn't how why did I want this thing that didn't make me feel good so badly? So just curious mm-hmm. when it comes to setting boundaries, you have a lot about that in the book, but if you have any kind of tips or thoughts for people who struggle with kind of setting boundaries in relationships. Yeah. So I do. I feel like Boundaries is a, a is a lesson that if we all learned very young, um, our culture would be entirely different. Um, our lack of understanding how to teach boundaries and how to understand how to receive them when other people set them, those two things are interacting in our culture to create not just the big consent around sexual contact issues, though it certainly does that, but also just our everyday happiness, our everyday relationship satisfaction, and our our friendships, our parenting, it's affecting everything. So I just want to say first to that idea of situationships, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we, okay, one of the reasons I feel so strongly about boundaries is because when people are looking for relationships and heading towards a fairly traditional, like uh, accepted script, the monogamy script, Mm -hmm. The, I call it the one rule to rule them all. Um, it's like, it's like the, we, we all just sort of agree that we know what we're talking about, right? Like we know what monogamy is, right? Monogamy is most, the most fuzzy agreement we have going and it's everywhere, but people aren't having the real conversation about what that word means. So that, so situationships are, is actually perfect, right? Because that's when you know, you don't know, Yeah. but as soon as there's a relationship, there's this presumption that you're all on the same page, right? Like once we name it, once we're saying, hey, that's my girlfriend. Now, I think that we understand, we both understand what that means. Prior to that, you're at least in that fuzzy zone where you're like, oh, I don't actually know what the heck is going on. So maybe I can't count on anything. That's your golden opportunity right there to practice excellent boundary setting. And you don't need another person in your life. And you certainly don't need to be dating in person to be practicing setting boundaries. There are some great tools like, okay, first, just wipe away the word boundaries as you know it and stop and think about the word boundary. Like really think about it, feel it, boundary. Like what is coming to your mind? When I say boundary, what do you see? What do you feel? I'm seeing like land, like like land being protected by a fence or something or demarcated. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing um, land, weirdly. Okay. Liza, what are you seeing? I mean, this is uh, creepy, but same. Like a farm <laughs> with a fence around it. I love it. Okay. So, okay. The bonding is clear. Kimmy and right? I spend a lot of time together. <laughs> we the bonding is clear. So you have shared meaning. Which means you do, so your, your relationship has the strength of shared meaning and shared context. But when you, when the word boundaries comes up, the last thing most people tell me is, well, I see, I, I'm feeling 
like generous and like, I know my partner better. I'm feeling like a present. Nobody says that to me, but boundaries are a gift, right? When someone is setting a boundary, they're teaching you how to treat them. That from there, that's where I build all of my premise around boundaries. So there are some great practical things you can do. Like you can practice setting boundaries in any situation on the phone, you can simply say, I have five minutes to talk mm-hmm. um, or I'm, I'm open to texting for 20 minutes or somebody says, can we FaceTime? You say, you know, what? I'm actually all cameraed out today. So I would prefer that we text instead there are a million things. Right. And simply stating your need is setting a boundary. And so we can practice that because especially women aren't we're not socialized to set boundaries. So just practicing it. Even if you don't need to, maybe you're actually feeling pretty open, but you can still take that opportunity to practice setting a boundary for yourself and for the person that you're relating to. You can also practice setting boundaries in tough situations. Like we each have sort of a go-to boundary style. It might be very soft and permeable. It might be very rigid and hard and like, really toughly contained. Um, it might be sort of spongy. Like my boundaries are like not clear to me and they sort of mush. I think they're firm. And then when somebody pushes up against, they mush. The ideal boundary is firm and flexible. Hmm. Firm because obviously it's a boundary. You wanted to protect something. You saw land protected and you didn't say you saw land bounded out. You didn't say you saw stuff on the outside. You saw the land protected, right? So you were seeing boundaries as a way to protect. Well, great. We want that to be firm, but we're talking about relationships. So we also want them to be flexible because we're, we're learning how, and compromise is not my favorite word for this. We're learning how to adapt and adjust what we're willing to while also holding and not adapting the parts of us that we don't want to. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like a, a bit of gobbledygook, but it's figuring out how to flex where, where it feels good and where we can grow with another person while still remaining true to ourselves, while actually practicing being more ourselves, the more, the more you, you are, the more you can actually relate to the other person. It's so easy. We get caught up. We start relating to the other person as if they're us. And once you start doing that, it becomes the whole relationship really quickly. And boundary setting, it lets you establish the difference. And that's where, you know, you hear Esther Perel talks all the time about like the the paradox, wanting novelty, but also wanting security, right? Well, the thing that can establish both of those things is boundaries. Who am I and who are you? Differentiating and knowing who the other is. Like the other is such a sacred concept. It's it's, it's capital O, other. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that, knowing someone that way requires you to know who you are so that you can be separate from them. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I also have some practical steps. There's a, there's a great book out there um, written by Christian Storm called Empowered Boundaries. Anyone who's struggling with boundaries, I, I send it, I make all my freshman human sexuality students read it and I recommend it to people who are just started starting to date again. Um, Storms talks about setting boundaries 
and and gives these clear ideas of like, hey, if a boundary is being violated, name it, um, give a directive, say what you want to happen, end the interaction. And it's so clear that then you can you can imagine yourself standing in a situation and like prep for, okay, if my boundary is violated, what's my what's my move going to be? So that's mm-hmm. that's my other. I just keep learning yeah. about it all. There's so many books out there to learn from. It's, it's so really helpful. cool. Yeah. Especially in like what we were talking about, you know, earlier and just the whole, yeah, like I- empowered dating situation. Like I feel like I've really struggled with boundaries. I've always really struggled with boundaries and it's never been something that I thought I could prepare for. Like I didn't, I, you know, until you just were talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, I can like work on that like more in a more proactive way. It's not something I just have to respond to in the moment. It's something I can actually like think about in advance and right. come to conversations with like some kind of, you know, verbiage around it, whatever. But it, it's, it's really, um, it's really difficult for a lot of people and it's really empowering to think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it sets us up to be actually excellent partners. Um, it, my 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 partner is um, he's blessed to have somebody like me who sets very very strong boundaries. But now, <laughs> yeah, blessed hashtag blessed. Sure, um, it's been hard for him to adapt to how how clear my boundaries can be. And he forgets like, oh, I can set those boundaries for myself. I can also. So there he is in this, you know, cisgendered white privileged body. And yet he forgets that he's allowed to practice his boundary setting and, you know, say no to things he doesn't want to do and to do it in ways that are adaptive to our situation. You know, like if we prep and we practice around our boundaries, we can also be kind to each other while still setting them. So I'm talking now about being, once you're in a relationship, we don't want boundary setting to always be a conversation of like, yes and no, because once you're in a relationship, it's going to be more nuanced and complicated. It's not just a simple consent. It's also, how do I want this boundary to be observed? And, you know, what would I like it to feel like? And when do I want you to observe it? And when do I want you actually to push me? I mean, I've asked my partner to push me before to, I mean, I just, I had to write a dissertation, right? I, I asked him to support me in like, yep. If you see me slacking off, would you please like bring me a coffee and tell me to get back to the books? Yeah. So should he observe my boundary of like, clearly she's taking a nap and she doesn't want to get up, but she also said this, it's, it can get really nuanced and amazing for growth if we allow ourselves to practice it in all sorts of situations. I like that kind of the reverse of what I think about when I think about boundaries, you know, other than the field with the fence. Um, But thinking about (laughs) once you're in a relationship, the nuance and yeah, I could, I could, you know, be a little less defensive and set some kind of reversed boundaries where I say, please, when you see me slacking off, do this. Like that would probably be really healthy for me to do as well. So I love that. That's about ask, it's about learning how to ask for what you need mm-hmm. and and then setting the limits for how far you want to be to be encouraged or pushed, right? This is it's not going to be simple. And once we dismiss the idea that it's going to be simple, it's actually quite easy. It's easeful, you know. It it's it's just about staying in that as a practice. And my my partner and I spend tons of time in and on our relationship because it matters to us. It's that makes it easeful. 
it's not simple at all. There are a lot of moving parts here. <laughs> it's not simple, just easy. Yeah, mm. no. Well, so, that's an, I mean, we could obviously talk forever. I have like 75 more questions <laughs> I want to ask you, but that's a really, really good note to end on for today. Um, could you tell our listeners where to find you, uh, where to find your book, all of it? Absolutely. So anybody who's looking to find me can find me on my website, joliehamilton.com. That's Jolie, J-O-L-I, Hamilton, like the musical, easy to find. Um, and you can get my book on Amazon. And on the website, too, there is actually a free download for something called the Curiosity Date that would probably speak right to your listeners. It's a date designed to be done. I mean, you could do it over the phone. You could do this over Zoom. Um, it's designed to get to know each other better. And, you know, I, I made it for the any couple. You could be at the absolute beginning or you could be, I, you know, I'm many, many years into a marriage and I still pop this thing out and like go back and revisit these questions. So yeah, you can find that on the website too. And you can, um, all my socials are, are on there too. So you can follow me anywhere. Awesome. We're going to also link all of that below in the show notes. So please, please check out Dr. Hamilton's work. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.